Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of 100 Ways to Make 100K, where we're on the hunt to find 100 different ways to make 100 grand a month. Now, this episode, I want to introduce you to someone who pivots faster and more often than a basketball player. Now, if there's somebody who defines and embodies building the plane as he's flying it, this is definitely the guy. Now, he's redefining the North American real estate market as we speak, and I can't wait for you guys to hear his story. He's a young developer out of Plymouth, Michigan. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't wait to introduce you to Austin cook hey man how you doing i'm doing good how you doing javon oh i'm fantastic brother thank you so much for asking now what was your name my name is austin cook austin cook man so tell us a little bit about yourself man who are you what do you do where are you from yeah so i'm a residential developer and investor based out of plymouth michigan so i do real estate investment and development beauty now austin do you remember the first time you made 100 grand in a year well yeah i do it was just a couple years ago Dude, you're only a couple years old, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you got to break it down, man. Tell us, where were you at the time? What types of things were you doing? What was going on in your life, man? Tell us the story. Basically, you know, I was I was dead broke. I graduated college in 2018, had no idea what I wanted to do. Got a degree from Mathematics University of Michigan. All I knew is I loved rock climbing. So I jumped in my truck, became a climbing guide, lived out of my car for the better part of a year. No really direction financially. Ended up falling, breaking my foot, coming home, broke, having to live in my dad's basement. And that's where it all started. You were climbing? <laughs> yeah. So I used to be a mountain guide, way different life back then. So I lived out of my car and I uh, climbed in the mountains and basically I ended up falling and you know, a mountain guide with a broken foot is not a very good mountain guide. Yeah. I had to come back and I didn't have any money for an apartment or anything, no house, no real estate. So I had to live in my dad's basement. So how did you go from living in your dad's basement with a broken foot and no money to making a hundred K in a year? Paint that picture for us, man. What was going on? Yeah. So actually the first year was really, really challenging. Essentially what it looked like is I went and got my, well, let's even take a step back. So to take it into context, when I broke my foot, I wanted to get back into rock climbing. I wanted to be a guide again. So I need to go to physical therapy for a few months for my foot to heal. So I was like, okay, I need a job. In the meanwhile, I'm just going to get a job selling solar panels, a sales job, easy in, easy out, make some money, let's go. So I became the number one salesperson in two months. Okay. And essentially what I realized is that, uh, you know, everyone's asking about how the solar panels are going to increase their insurance cost. And, you know, I, I had no idea. But what I did know is I got this question over and over the first two months as a solar panel salesman. So I went and I looked into it and the state of Michigan has extremely high insurance rates because of our no fault auto policy. And what people are doing is they're combining their home and auto policies together. So what I realized is that all the people care about as far as insurance and the solar panels go, is it going to increase the, the cost of the insurance for their home? Oh, I realized that people are really concerned about the cost of their insurance. So what I did is I went and got licensed by the state of Michigan to sell insurance. So I would go in on these appointments to sell solar panels. Not only would I sell the solar panels, but I would now double dip and sell insurance. Ended up realizing that that insurance part was scalable. Solar panels were not. So I ended up quitting the solar panel thing going full-time with Allstate. And then essentially from there, uh, I became the number two a uh, sales producer for all the Allstate branches in Southeast Michigan. Um, also, within about three months, I did that. I got to ask, man. So yeah. that's consistent, right? That you went from brand new at something to all of a sudden being relatively top of the company. What do you think was the secret? If you were going to dial it down to a couple different things, what do you think it was? So I think the secret was really understanding sales. Both of these were sales jobs. 
and I understood the core element of sales, which was building that relationship with the customer and also being able to relate just to that customer, being able to keep them on trajectory with the sales pitch and not getting uh, you know pulled off. A lot of times new beginners in sales get way pulled off of track, you know, objection here, objection there. You gotta quickly handle that objection and bring them right back to your straight line. So that's that's you know what's kind of set me apart, I, I believe. Um, and you know that, and I was just one to learn. So I was out there grinding, hustling, reading sales books every night, listening to sales videos on YouTube, this, that, and you know just being around other good salespeople, which kind of put me into the next part of real estate. You know, I ended up going to a bunch of sales offices for real estate, a bunch of brokerages, and for dealerships for cars, because I realized, you know, I was like, well, look, these people are buying a house, right? They need insurance on that house. These people are buying a car. They need insurance on that car. So I realized really quick, though, that with the auto dealers, they were pretty flaky. They fell through all the time. I'd write a policy. It wouldn't go through. With the real estate guys, though, they would get the policy. I would have 30 days to write it, and the sale would always go through. Then I looked at a settlement statement one day. I saw how much the realtor was making on a transaction and how much I was making off the same sale. Now, what did that what did that math and economics look like? Yeah. So I was making 100 bucks a sale for my, for my insurance. Wow. Those realtors were making $10,000 a sale. Right there, I realized there was a big discrepancy and I am in the wrong field. So basically, this is when my dad comes in. My dad's been a broker and builder for about 45 years. I went to him and I said, Dad, is this for real? These guys are really making 10K off a sale and I'm making, you know, $100 off a sale? He's like, yeah. I was like, I need to get into real estate. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So then what happened? So from there, you know, I went and I was like, how do I do it? He's like, well, it's simple. You just go get licensed. I was like, all right. So I went and got licensed. Right when I got licensed, I was like, wait, now what do I do? I was like, how do I get, how do I get customers? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, here's what you do. You go and you get the legal newspaper. You open the legal newspaper and you look at all the people going in the foreclosure. I'm like, foreclosure? What? Newspaper? What the hell's a newspaper? And, uh, you know, so we go through all that and I end up actually knocking on the door Um to a lady who's in foreclosure and basically she pulls me in her house. She's crying. She doesn't want to lose the house. I tell her I can help her. I can sell the house and I get a listing, a real estate listing on my very first day as a realtor. Wow. Yeah. For all the realtors out here listening, you guys know that's a pretty, pretty challenging feat. So, uh, it was very beginner's luck though. And we'll get to that as to why, but I ended up, you know, getting the listing on the house. House was rough, needed some work, you know, it was in foreclosure. So we put it up for about 200,000. Now, if it was renovated, it could have sold for about two fifty. So, and it needed maybe about thirty thousand dollars worth of renovation work. Well, we get an offer the next day for a hundred and eighty thousand, and I was like, "Oh shit, hundred eighty And she said, "I'm taking it." And I was like, "Whoa, you're taking it?" And then she was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take that offer." So, light bulbs started going off in my head. Like I said, my dad was been a builder for forty five years. I knew this house only needed thirty thousand dollars to renovate. So I'm like, would you sell it to me for 180000 She's like, would you buy it? I'm like, yeah. So she ended up selling the house to me. I bought the house. Um, and my goal was just to renovate it and, uh, you know, fix and flip. However, life had different plans for me. And I realized down the street, there were two guys building a house. And I was like, wow, that's weird. You know, there's guys are building not one house, but two houses. And I was like, how'd they do that? I looked at the lot and I, I was like, hmm, I'm going to ask my dad about this. 
And then he goes, yeah, you know, like it just depends on the road frontage feet. You got to go figure out how much road frontage feet you have and how much feet it costs to build a house. So I was like, all right, how do I do that? He's like, just go up to the township and ask. So, you know, I'm going all over the township asking the wrong people. I'm talking to their treasurer and stuff. And I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Finally, I get to the building department and I ask them. They're like, yeah, you got 100 feet here. You only need 50 to build a house. Bingo, bango, boom. I need 100. I need 50 feet to build a house. I got 100. And this is a crappy house anyway. I'm like, oh, shoot. I could tear this house down and I could build too. So I go back to my dad with this idea. He's like, he's like, uh, that's a lot of work. He's like, he's like, uh, I'm like, well, will you, come on, Dad, will you teach me? Will you teach me how to build a house? And he's like, I don't think you have it in you. That's a lot of work. I don't think you can do it. Basically, I convinced him to teach me, and I convinced him to uh, his company to give me a loan to build the first house. Here was the issue. There were two lots there. I only had a loan for one house. So what I did is I went and I started building this house, made every mistake in the book, all right? So like, it took me 11 months to build this house. And for all those builders out there, you know, a 2,000 square foot house should not take 11 months how long should it take oh we can get them done in eight so okay. it's an extra three months okay so uh yeah so you know it took a, quite a while there to get that done finally we got it done let me go back and say this was the hardest 11 months of my life why well because i was still trying to get door knocking for fix and flips for listings for everything else real estate because remember with this new build I don't get paid till the end. I borrowed money from my dad and from, you know, the bank and everything to build this house. I am now in debt, a lot of debt, and I have no way to pay the debt other than for this house to sell at the end. And interest was just occurring on me. I have no money coming in. I'm trying to get listings. The listings are actually extremely hard to get. And uh, I didn't realize I got lucky on the first day. So I'm out there door knocking every day. I'm cold calling every day. I had no success for 11 months. The only thing that kept me afloat during that 11 months was the few uh, leads that I got from Zillow. So I was a Zillow agent and I made about $40,000 that year working 90 hours a week. I took one week off. That was between Christmas and New Year's. I lost a lot of friends. I lost the girlfriend I had at the time, almost lost a lot of relationships with my family because I was just grinding, just trying to make this work. So right when I finished the house, after 11 months, I was so excited, so excited. I put it up for sale. Nothing. No offers. Wow. Three weeks go by, no offers. Wow. I fall, it's a Saturday night. I vividly remember this. So I felt into my knees, um, you know, in my dad's basement. And I started crying. I started crying so hard. And I prayed to God. This was the first time I prayed in years. And I just said, God, is this real estate for me? Trying here, I'm working 90 hours a week. I've done it for 11 months straight and I have not got my second deal yet. What's going on here? And then all of a sudden, that Monday, I get a call. The realtor's calling and says, I have an offer for your house. I'm thinking, oh God, it's going to be a lowball offer. Full price. And what was that full price? So that full price was 500000 I get a second call. Same day, Austin. I got an offer for your house. I'm thinking, well, I already got one. I don't need another one. But this is a full price offer, Austin. Two full price offers after three weeks of being on the market. Jeez. This was two days after I fell to the ground, prayed to God. I didn't make the connection until later. But essentially, what I ended up doing is selling the house to the first person that put the offer in. And the second offer, I ended up selling the empty lot next door on, because remember, I don't have financing. Mm-hmm. 
on a buyer's construction loan. I convinced the buyer to go out and get a construction loan for this property. They're paying a mortgage on the property while they don't even live in it so that I can build it for them. Wow. I get all the money, the money up front from my house that I just sold. Okay. And I get all the money up front for that construction loan. I take that money and I go and I buy another double lot. Okay. Okay. Now we're cooking. Now I have that first house built. I use that as a model home. I figured out some better sales strategies to up the value in the area. And I ended up before the next house was even tore down. I had it split. I had two addresses created and I went and I put it on the MLS and I sold two more houses on construction loans from the buyers. Wow. I doubled the money in like 60 days. Wow. Okay. Took that money, bought a third double lot. Took that money, fourth. Took that money, fifth. Took that money, sixth. Ended up with 18 lots in this neighborhood in basically the first year. Well, I guess it's the second year because the whole first year, I only got the one deal. First year, I made about 40,000. And then that second year, we just... We just skyrocketed to the moon. Man. Yeah. And then we made over, we made over that hundred K that second year, third year. Um, you know, we ended up, which was last year, we ended up getting them all built up, ended up doing really good and everything. Um, and then how I really, you know, had my first, my first flip project was I accidentally bought a lot. I thought it was double lot. It wasn't. So instead of being able to tear it down, I actually went in and I renovated it and I sold it and I realized, Hey, what, what's going on here? I just renovated this house and I did this in eight weeks, not eight months, eight weeks. Wow. And you know, I made a, a hefty profit on this. We, I think we flipped it for like 60,000 bucks. Wow. And I was like, what is going on here? This flipping is crazy. Well, then that's how I got done the flipping rabbit hole. And I started flipping houses, started doing this, started doing that. And that's how my real estate career really started taking off. Holy smokes, dude! So if you could, uh, if you could boil that down, like, and and maybe distill and share a few lessons from there. Yeah. What are some of those those ones that you think will last a lifetime? Yeah. So I think the lessons that'll last a lifetime is to never give up too early. So many people quit too early. So many people get excited about the next idea. So many people say, "Oh, this isn't working." And they quit this, they quit that without logically processing it. What they're processing it on is emotion. And what you really have to do is if you have to evaluate every step of the way, don't get me wrong. You have to logically evaluate, but you need to do it logically, not emotionally. You can't quit because it's hard. You can't quit because you just can't handle it. You only quit and it's not really quitting. It's pivoting when you realize what you're doing isn't working and there's a better way. But you only really fail when you truly quit. And that's what I never did. I never quit. So I'd wow. say, you know, that's probably one of the biggest lessons that I kept going. I would say, you know, the second thing as to why it all worked out can be summed up in the one sentence. You know, I consistently took massive strategic action. And when I consistently took massive strategic action every single day, even though I wasn't getting results, what was happening is I was growing. I was growing slow. I was expecting a linear growth. What happened was a exponential growth. And that was not what I expected. So guys, if you're putting in the effort every single day, if you're getting that 1% better every single day, if you're fixing one skill a day, guys, you're not going to see a linear growth. You're going to see an exponential growth. 
and that was one thing that I did not expect. So I thought I was actually failing, but what I was doing is I was learning and I was failing, but I was failing forward. And when we fail forward, that's the best way to stumble over the finish line. Wow. So what would you say the progress, uh, what you said was 19, 18, 19 lots now? Yeah. 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 We got, uh, I think we had like 18 or something. Um, <laughs> something. It's, I got, so we get so much going on. I, it's hard to get the exact numbers right, but somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. So if you could paint a picture of all the things that are kind of happening in your life, like if you were to take a snapshot right this moment, yeah. what were, what are some of those things that you're after that you might, you know, the old you may have considered that you're failing? But the current you is just calling it stumbling progress. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the biggest things actually currently is, you know, we have three big kind of companies going on and three big, um, I want to say businesses we're running. Okay. First is the development business. It's still chugging along smooth. Um, You know, we're not hitting that exponential growth right now. We're hitting more of a linear growth and that's okay with us because we are hyper-focused on one area. So we're exponentially taking over one neighborhood specifically. Um, So then, you know, the other businesses that we have is we have a commercial acquisition company that is, uh, you know, we're starting to take off now. We just bought our first hotel about two months or two weeks ago, and we are under contract on a second hotel now. Uh, Thank you, man. Yeah, we're super excited. So, you know, our goal is to have 100 units by the end of July. And right now, it's this episode is being filmed in, I think, January. Is it? Yeah, it's January. Yeah, January. <laughs> we're all, like, all what month are like, we right what's going on? So, yeah, guys. So in six months, you know, we we basically want to, uh, uh, you know, pick up another fifty-five units or so. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. Now, the one business that we're also working on, our third one, is our fix and flip and wholesale business, and that is the one that's actually we're having the most challenges with, because right now the market is significantly changing. So what we did the last two years for the fix and flip and wholesale is no longer working so well. So what we were doing before is we were going for off-market opportunities, and then we were purchasing them, doing kind of a lipstick fix and throwing it on the MLS and letting people get to it. Well, now things have really slowed up and MLS listings aren't selling. So we actually pivoted our strategy recently to target those houses that aren't selling. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. That's uh that's that's crazy, man. Like I'm almost lost for words right now. It's like in, impeccable to see now. How old are you at this time? Yeah, I'm 29. 29 years old, man. So what? Uh, I guess you kind of pretty much made 100k in a day, like right then and there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it basically right off the bat. But it took me, you know, 11 months of 90 hours per week, which comes down to you know, if you were to work full time, a regular full time 40 hour job. At about like, you know, making $16,000 a year, that's what it would have equated to. And you're, you know, you're working basically two and a quarter of those. Jeez. So the mental stress of that was insane. Now, where do you, self, where do you see yourself going long-term? Yeah. So long-term, you know, we're, we're trying to figure that out right now. There are, you know, as we see it, we have a couple of options. I see the most lucrative option long-term is that we're now making a pivot towards hotel purchases. So hotel purchases are very niche. We have less competition. They're extremely challenging to put together. However, they're very profitable. And, you know, it's just a lot of fun to do them. Beauty. And if you could go back and, you know, meet that Austin before you even moved back to his dad's house or, well, when you just moved back, you know, when you started selling insurance, what advice would you have for him? I think the advice that I would have had for that, that younger Austin about three and a half years ago 
maybe even four years ago when I this when I was selling insurance, you know, I would have told them to just keep going, stay focused, don't lose sight of the goal, and that everything is going to work out by staying focused, and that you know you don't have to be so hard on yourself about that. Um, it's all going to come, and you're going to see the growth. It's you might not see it right now. It might not be linear, but that growth is going to come as long as you don't stop working at it. Beauty and Austin. Before we before we rock and roll out of here, thanks for inviting us to the, to one of your new builds, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but before we rock and roll, man, where can we find you online and dive a little bit more into your ecosystem? Yeah, guys. So you can find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. It's A U S T O N C O O K. I spell my name a little bit funky. It's Austin with an O, not with an I. Beauty. Austin, man, it was such a pleasure. Thanks yeah, so much. Yeah, man, pleasure meeting you. Be great. Austin, my man, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. Once again, I'm your host, Javon.ca, and I'll see you next week for our next episode. Peace.